Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Field is ready. They're racing in the Oaks. Hello and welcome back to Ladies Who Punt. We are the podcast that aims to decode the sport of horse racing one topic at a time. My name is Fiona Blair and with me is my co-host Grace Ramage via Zoom. Hi Grace. Hello Fee and hello to everybody listening into another episode of Ladies Who Punt. And I'm particularly up and about this week because it is one of my favourite race meetings of the year, Caulfield Guineas Day. Um, It's the start of the Caulfield Cup Carnival. And the whole day is at black type level. We've got three group ones on the card and every single race is chock full of quality. Um, So each and every year it always promises to be a great day's racing and absolutely no exception this year. And then, Fee, can you believe it? We've got the Caulfield Cup and the following weekend is the Cox Plate and then it's Melbourne Cup Week. Like it happens so fast. We are right in the thick of the spring racing carnival now. Yeah, we definitely are. Like it's like you said, our Melbourne Cup preview is only three episodes away, which is seems crazy that we're almost That's crazy. at the end of the year, and that will be our final episode for the year. So we are really sort of on the countdown for Ladies Who Punt for 2022, but a really exciting month of racing ahead of us. This is where it all really starts to kick off as after moving day last weekend as you described to us mm-hmm. yeah super day at Caulfield on Saturday let's talk a little bit about um the conditions we're expecting Grace because the weather here in Victoria is still so wet it's so wet and it's also so unpredictable because you look at the weather forecasts and every day is like you know 10 to 20 mils and then you look at the rain radar and some places are being absolutely drenched, but then there are other suburbs that haven't had a drop. So it's yeah. just so hard to predict. But what we do know for sure is that Caulfield right now is a good four. They will not have watered it. They will be letting the track get as dry as possible before the rain hits. And because of that, I think that it would be unlikely to see the track get into the heavy range, but it could still be like the top end soft range. So Fingers crossed that we've got like a soft five, um, but worst case scenario, we'll probably be getting into like soft seven. And if it is a soft seven, definitely we'll be looking for those wet trackers, those horses that love heavy ground and rain affected ground to be to the fore in their races. Yeah. So a little bit of uncertainty at the moment, but we'll have to wait for the day, I guess, for that sort of stuff, but something we have to take into account with our form. So Today we are previewing the three Group 1 races. So that is Race 7, the Might and Power 2,000 metre race. Race 8, the Group 1 Caulfield Guineas for the three-year-olds over 1,600 metres. And the Turak Handicap, another 1,600 metre Group 1. So they're the three we're going to be previewing today. Just a straight form episode, one we haven't done in a while. So excited for that. Let's get straight into it. Uh 
Today, Grace, we're going to go in race book order. We're going to start with race seven, the group one might and power 2000 meter weight for age contest. Another small eight horse field this Saturday in the group one. A lot of horses meeting for the second or third time uh, in these big group one clashes and two new ones coming down from Sydney. Boom Horse, Animo and Benno. As I said, there's a lot of horses coming through from the Underwood Stakes and two weeks before that, the Maccabi Diva Stakes. At their last clash, Alligator Blood took out the Underwood Stakes two weeks ago at Sandow with Mwanga running second and Zaki running third. But it was really a photo finish between second, third and fourth. First thing I want to talk to you about, Grace, is how the race shape is going to look compared to the Underwood Stakes and compared to the Maccabi Diva a month ago. A lot of these horses have clashed multiple times now. In the Maccabi with the long Flemington straight, I'm Thunderstruck was really able to unleash that turn of foot and run Alligator Blood down. However, two weeks ago at Sandown, I'm Thunderstruck couldn't catch him. Mm-hmm. Both races were sort of set up for in Alligator Blood's favour in terms of him dictating the speed from the front and able to run an even tempo throughout with plenty left in the tank in the concluding stages. What do you think it was that gave Alligator Blood the edge in the Underwood at Sandown? Was he just fitter that time around or did the track favour him over Flemington? Um, And how will that look on Saturday? So I think on Saturday, again, we're going to see a really tactical race. But I know one thing is for sure, and that is that post-race last start in the Underwood Stakes, um, the connections, Mick Price, Michael Kent Jr. of I'm Thunderstruck, were a little bit, disappointed that their horse was so far back in the run like he at one stage settled last and was like detached from the second last horse in the field Uh so basically to answer your question fee alligator blood was leading at a very slow tempo last start in the underwood stakes he led at a slow tempo the prior start in the Maccabi Diva Stakes, but probably they actually overdid the slackening of the tempo through the mid-stages more so in the Underwood Stakes. And then you combine that with the fact that that I'm Thunderstruck was even further back, you know, he was further back on a really slow tempo. I'm Thunderstruck at at the 400-metre mark in the Underwood Stakes was 4.8 lengths off the leader which was Alligator Blood, and in the Maccabi Diva Stakes two starts ago, he was only 3.4 lengths away from the leader, Alligator Blood. So that is where the damage is done. He got too far back last start on Thunderstruck. He was asked to really quicken and accelerate from about the 800-meter mark because Mark Zara said, holy moly, I've got to get going here, otherwise I'm not going to catch these leaders. He has run the third fastest split on the whole day between the 400 metres and the 200 metre mark. So he was absolutely airborne, but then that just hold, that last 200 metres, he was still coming to them at the line, but Mm. he's sort of just peaking on his run and that stopped him from going past them in the straight. So that's exactly why he wasn't able to get past Alligator Blood and the others in the end because Thunderstruck finished fourth. There was only a length between them. Great finish. So on Saturday, this Saturday, now we're looking at another 200 metres. We're going out to the might and power stakes distance of 2,000 metres. I know for sure that Mick Price and Michael Kent Jr. will want Mark Zara from Barrier 1 on I'm Thunderstruck to be as close as he possibly can. So we've only got a small field, like you said, but I'd be mapping him closer in the run, and that will give him a lot of opportunities to just be able to finish off that little bit better. 
Yeah, but again, a sticky barrier. I feel like for a back marker, this horse draws number one so often. <laughs> I know. We have literally spoken about it many times, how it's not good. And you're right, it's not great because it means that he's restricted for the opportunity to build momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he is right behind the speed, like he'll be right in the finish here. I think his run last start was almost the run of the race. Mm-hmm. The only problem is, Fee, is that now we've got what could be the best horse in Australia coming down from Sydney, and that yes. is Animo. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's going to be an amazing contest to see. Well, let's talk about Animo now that you've brought him up. I really feel like he's been the boom horse this spring and he had a very impressive win in the group one George May stakes three weeks ago, but he did pull up three out of five lame after that race. There was headlines that he was quite lame. The trainer James Cummings quickly put out, uh, you know, the press release that he had pulled up lame. And there was a lot of concern from the racing public about what that meant for his spring preparation, but he's back this week coming down to Victoria. It's the first time we're seeing him in basically a year because the last time that we saw him um, was Cox Plate Day last year where he arguably should have been the winner of that Cox Plate. Big protest, big contentious decision after that event. Um, And he was huge as a three-year-old in the Cox Plate. Mm -hmm. And the start prior was this day last year when he won the Caulfield Guinea. So since then, he's been up in Sydney Um, And he's run on a whole lot of wet tracks. So this preparation, he's only had the two starts. Both of them have been group one wins. So you can't do much more than go around against uh, other group one competitors earlier on in the spring and beat them all, which is exactly what he's done. Now, the news that he pulled up lame after his last start was definitely a little bit alarming. And you're right. It was the stable who was forthright in saying, hey, this has happened, everybody. It's not ideal. We're just going to monitor it. Mm -hmm. Um. But the fact is, this horse is a five-time Group 1 winner. He is an entire, meaning that soon enough he's going to become a stallion. He's by Street Boss. He, if if the connections and Godolphin and James Cummings thought that there was anything wrong with this horse in terms of his well-being and his ability to put his best performance out there on the racetrack, there is absolutely no way he would be running because they would not risk him putting in, you know, a subpar performance and being beaten in a group one when his group one record stands as 11 group one attempts for five wins, four seconds and one third. Wow. Like that is elite. This mm-hmm. horse could be this. He's probably the best horse in Australia. And if he wins on Saturday, a hundred percent, he's confirmed. Oh, well, actually nature strip might be up there. Anyway, amongst the <laughs> middle distance, middle distance wait for age horses, there's no doubt. So, I think we have to be confident that obviously the stable thinks that he is perfectly good to go and if he brings his best, he'll be obviously very hard to beat. I think that there are two things for Animo which have sort of prevented us from seeing him at his absolute best despite the fact he keeps winning. But in terms of the ratings he keeps putting down in his races, how good he's going, I think he'd love a dry track. So Mm -hmm. if we're on a soft five, that's a huge bonus. He hasn't really seen anything better than a soft six in a long time. And also, if they were to roll along, which I don't think they will, but in a Cox Plate, for example, which will be his next start after Saturday, if they set a really strong tempo in that race, that suits him to a T. So the thing is that the best is yet to come still with Animo this preparation, as long as we're confident that he is 100% perfectly happy and sound and ready and we have to trust the connections that that is the case 
Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about the um, rating system in terms of lameness. So just for those who aren't familiar, so you get the rating of out of five lame from a trot up and it goes from one, which is sort of a slightly noticeable, like a not an even action or uh, fluid action. And then five is basically you'd be close to non-weight bearing lame like yep. it'd be hard to move a horse you know from even into a walk if they were five out of five so three out of five is pretty considerable but like you said yep. they won't risk any type of um soreness or lameness or anything going into a group one what about the competition he's been facing this prep has he been properly challenged do you think or have we not even seen the best of him this preparation no, I think there's no doubt that he's been taking on inferior opposition to what he'll be taking on on Saturday. Uh-huh. And um, I suppose that's sort of reflected in the fact that there were some queries about how he might be going after he was only able to um, just sort of win last start at 1,600 metres in the George Main Group 1, beating Ice Bath and Hinged and Montefilia, who are all sort of mares and they're not proper weight for age best horse in Australia type of stuff, which he's going to find on Saturday when we're talking about Zaki and I'm Thunderstruck and Alligator Blood. Like these are definitely a better class of horse in terms of um, at 2000 meters, this is the best of the best. But for those reasons that I outlined, if he gets a, if he gets a dry ish surface and if he has tempo on, he will no doubt go to the next level. So he's definitely the horse to beat in this race, but let's say it's a soft six and they go slow. He might just win again. It'll be the Cox Plate. If there's no rain around, we're on a good four and there's heaps of speed in the race, I will be chips in animo because that will be the best setup for that horse. Yeah. When you're talking about the lack of competition he's faced so far, it actually reminds me of another horse in this Might and Power, and that is Mr. Brightside, who's a good friend of ours from our connections with Lindsay Park. But I think a lot of people would have been slightly disappointed with his last start in the Underwood Stakes. He looked a little bit lacklustre, but I still think this horse has quite a lot of upside compared to his competition, who will now be really hitting their peak. So his lead up to the Underwood Stakes, he had been very dominant in two group twos, where he won very comfortably against not very strong fields, I would say. You know, they were small fields both times. Yep. Not anyone of real notability in terms of the level that he's running now whereas you've got I'm Thunderstruck, Mawanga and Alligator Blood who this will be their third race against each other they've been pushing each other to the limit every race and I think have really benefited from that that increased competition um, Mm -hmm. to really get them to their absolute best so I'm hoping Mr Brightside's going to have a lot of improvement out of the um, Underwood Stakes as he had his real first challenge of the whole preparation whereas the other three that I've mentioned and Zaki as well now they've they've been getting properly challenged throughout their preparation. Yeah that is such a good point because it actually um, you know for Mr Brightside it's probably the first time that he's ever really had to be asked for maximum effort in the straight and considering that the way the race was so slowly run uh, Craig Williams aboard Mr. Brightside last start really got going early because he, like I'm Thunderstruck, realized we can't catch these leaders if we just let them keep doing what they're doing. So he like peeled out deep at the 800, mm. really got going. Yes, he definitely wasn't strong to the line or 
as strong as the others, but he was only beaten like two lengths. Mm-hmm. Um, the margin wasn't that big at all. And with that run under his belt, now fourth up, yes, we can definitely see him bounce back Mr. Brightside. Um, if we don't, however, it's probably a case where you'd, you'd be safely saying this preparation is probably not a genuine Cox Plate contender, so it's a real time for him to have to stand up or if not, connections might look to dropping back to the 1,600 metres of the Champions Mile on the final day of the Flemington Carnival. So there's still so many options for these horses. But on Saturday, this race, the Might and Power Stakes, is literally a mini Cox Plate. It is such mm. a good field. Wait for it. Yeah. Uh, for you, the run of the race in the Underwood was I'm Thunderstruck. For me, it was actually Mwanga. I thought he was very impressive at Sandown. I feel like he absolutely attacked the line in the Underwood. He ran the fourth fastest last 200 of the meeting, especially considering the competition he faced on the day. I think that sort of indicates that he could put in a stronger performance on Saturday. And I feel like he can definitely be there in the finish. So I'm actually going to be putting on, Grace, a Quinella bet in this race. Ooh, go on. I'm going to go with Animo and Mawanga. How is your bet slip looking for this race? I think Animo is definitely the horse to beat, um, just given that he could be significantly superior to the field, and we'll find out on Saturday. But I'm definitely thinking that I'm thunderstruck with the connections and Mark Zara's intent on knowing you cannot be too far back now from barrier one. He's going to run a really big race as well. So he's the one that I'd be thinking might upset Animo, if there was to be anyone, but um, it probably is all about Animo, to be honest. And $2.35, $6.50 on Thunderstruck might be a little bit of an each-way sort of a bet there if you're interested. But it really is a great race just to sit back and watch because it doesn't get much better than these sort of wait-for-age races. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Okay, well, let's move on to race eight. Now, the Group 1 Caulfield Guineas, 1,600 metres for the three-year-olds. We're at set weights this weekend. And looking at the market, we have a favourite in number three, Golden Mile at $2.70. He opened up at $3 earlier today and has firmed up a little bit. Outside of him, we have a second favourite, number two, Berkeley Square at $5.50. And then the market just really opens up after that. So if you take Golden Mile out, I feel like there's not a heap of confidence about who Mm -hmm. the winner is. And 
Just a little background on Golden Mile. He ran fourth in the Group 1 Golden Rose behind Jackano, which can only be described as such a sensational performance from him. Um, yeah. I thought he'd be lining up in the Guineas, but it looks like he's skipping the Guineas to run in the Everest next week. Um, yeah, that was that, that's a big call from the from the connections. But he was so good, Jackano, in the Golden Rose um, that they had to sort of, you know, put him in the deep end and see how he goes against the other Group One sprinters. And if he was to win that, um, you know, it would probably mean that as a stallion prospect, if you're beating Nature Strip in a in an Everest, you you know, you're going to be a pretty popular stallion prospect to breed speed horses. Yeah, and the Everest is like obviously like a, a sprint race, and I feel like Jackano was really hitting the line very strongly in a fourteen hundred meter race, perfectly poised to go out to a mile, and now he's dropping back. What's is the Everest eleven hundred, Grace? The Everest is twelve hundred meters. Twelve hundred. Okay, but- so he's not dropping back too much. But what they will say in big feature sprint races, and it's not it's not all the time, but it's sort of a, a general bit of a rule, especially down the Flemington Strait, in a big group one sprint race, you sort of want a horse that can run 1,400 metres because they do not go slowly. They will be handlebars down. It'll be speed on from the get-go. And to be able to sustain that speed early and kick off it, you sort of need a horse that – is like a 1200 1400 meter horse um to be able to sustain that speed and jackano is the one that can settle out the back smoking his pipe on that tempo and launch home so i totally get the placement of that horse there you'll have those speedsters like eduardo and nature strip who are totally effective at a thousand as well but they sit on speed so you need a horse that can sit off them and mow them down late and that could be jackano with a lightweight the three-year-old taking on the big horses in that race Oh, that's going to be really exciting. But I am still a little bit sad. We're not going to see him in the guineas this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> he would so, have been the one to beat. There's no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. So, Grace, tell us a little bit about this favourite. What is ticking the boxes for Golden Mile on Saturday? What? Why do you think he's come in as favourite? So, firstly, same trainer, same colours, Godolphin, same jockey as Animo. So this could be a big race-to-race double for the Godolphin team and James Cummings and James McDonald. Uh, Golden Mile comes down from Sydney. So he brings the best form line that you can into a Caulfield Guineas, which each and every year is the Golden Rose. Generally, Golden Rose horses have got a really good record in the Caulfield Guineas. It's a really good lead-up race. In the Golden Rose last start, Golden Mile started $7. He was in the market um, and he sat on speed on a really fast tempo and he was only beaten 1.6 lengths. Like he was sort of in that bunched group for second, third and fourth and Jack and O just dropped from the clouds and blitzed them. And then you also consider the fact that he's drawn barrier five in this race, which is a perfect draw to just sort of sit behind the speed, do no work, be really relaxed through the race and be um, lots of and have lots of energy saved up for your finishing burst and you've got the best jockey in Australia James McDonald in the saddle all of that means that he's the favorite but to be honest Pete I do not want to be with Golden Mile in this race yeah neither I just was like a bit shocked when I saw he was favorite I went back and watched the replay and I was I was a bit underwhelmed with how he hit the line in a 1,400-metre race. And I was like, now he's going up and trip. So, yeah, why, why are you unsure? 
That's exactly it. It's the fact that he sat on speed. Yes, it was a fast tempo in the Golden Mile, but his last 400 metres and his last 200 metres ranked among the worst of the race. They were all catching him quickly. So now it's just that big question mark of does he see out the strong 1,600 metres? He's drawn the perfect barrier to be able to allow him to do that. But even still, like, I just think that this race is so wide open and if Golden Mile doesn't get the distance or, you know, might not be as good as we, well, as the market thinks he is, it could, the winner could come from anywhere. This yeah. is one of the most open Caulfield guineas we've seen in a long time. I would not be surprised to see a 60 to one winner of this race. That is the depth and the fact that there's so many up and coming horses that we just have no idea how good they are. So it is such a good race. You're right, Grace. The market is just so open. Like we have Tijuana, number one, who won a group two over 1,600 metres two weeks ago at $11. Like he's the only horse that in the field that's won over this distance at a high level. And Mm -hmm. he's paying $11, which I thought was a little bit steep for him. And then the horse that I'm with in this race, not maybe in terms of winning, but I think running a good place and worth a place bet is number 10 amenable. He Mm -hmm. was pretty good in the prelude running third to aft cabin. Who's unfortunately unable to take his place um, on Saturday and pretty testing conditions on the day. It was absolutely raining cats and dogs during that race. It was like the worst conditions I've ever seen a race being running. Basically. I think (laughs) the jockey said the same. (laughs) Um, so I thought he did pretty well. He's got Damien Oliver aboard. And the other thing that I really liked to see with him is that he's got blinkers on for the first time. I thought he was a little bit wobbly and green coming down the straight in the prelude. So I'm hoping the blinkers are just going to sharpen him up and help him just go straight and forward like an arrow. Also barrier suits him. I think too, he was pretty far back in the prelude. So obviously likes to sit sit back and having that wide barrier he should be able to come down the outside no problems Mm -hmm. yeah definitely he got through the wet track fine so wet track no problem blinkers on first time damien oliver there's a lot to like about him so the way that i look at this race fee is that there's quite a few horses that have drawn wide Uh um like barrier 14 through to 18 is what i'm considering to be wide Mm -hmm. a couple of those horses will get back And that makes it a tough task because they have to concede start at the beginning. They still might be posted deep. And then, you know, at around the 600, when they're about to turn into the home bend, they need to get going again. So it can be done, definitely. But it is just that conservative bit at the beginning, which sometimes doesn't work in your favor in really hot races like this. The two that have drawn widest in this race, number five, Bank Moore. And number six, Fajita San, 17 and 18. I'm expecting both of those horses to go forward. So from those wide draws, I think they're going to show their intent to spear across and land on the speed. If they don't have to do too much work, I think that's a big advantage for those two horses. And for that reason, mainly, I actually quite like Fajita San in this race, which is weird because I haven't liked him this whole preparation. I've always found horses to beat him. But he comes through the same race as Tijuana, the Stutt Stakes. So, again, I'm with um, that 1,600-metre proved sort of at that distance. And Fajita Sands, that midfield, sort of had to get going early and was really strong to the line. I thought it showed that the horses 
ready to go now. Like he's just coming to his peak at the right time. And from barrier 18, if he gets across and can settle on the speed, not having to do too much work, I think he'll run a huge race. And he's currently $21, $5.50 the place. So he's an absolute each way bet or one by three bet for me. So onto our last group one of the day, it is race nine, the Turek Handicap, a group one 1600 meter race. Being a handicap, the race is weighted using the benchmark system. And we have a pretty clear favorite here. It is number five, I wish I win, $2.70 favorite. A horse that at this point has best performance in Australia has been winning a listed race last start. So he goes from winning a listed to being a hot favorite in a group one. Pretty big rise through the ranks there, Grace. It is, but boy, oh boy, Fee, this horse could be an absolute freak of an animal because we've only seen him twice in Australia. He was formerly trained by Jamie Richards in New Zealand and we've only seen him twice. He's won both times. Both times have been very high-rating races. And last start, he won that listed race at Sandown over 1,300 metres. I literally, at the 200-metre mark, he was pocketed away. He had nowhere to go. He was, like, buried, trapped. And I actually stopped watching him because I thought, you can't win. What's happening up the front? And then from nowhere, he's just, like, found a gap and accelerated so fast and was the winner. So, I think he definitely deserves to be favourite. I think he's 100% the horse to beat in this race. And at $2.70, like we were being asked to take um, $1.70 last start. And yes, it was probably inferior opposition, but this horse could be an absolute superstar. If he wins on Saturday, I think the plan is that they're going to take him to the Cox Plate. And if he was to win this race and put down another high rating performance on Saturday in this race, he would genuinely become a live chance in a cox plate so we're forward thinking but that's like that's the trajectory that this horse is on of course he has to go and do it um if he is going to be beaten maybe the barrier he gets too far back barrier 13 he's held up whatever happens i think that there are a couple of others that can run really well mainly one of our other friends gentleman roy who has done absolutely nothing wrong this whole preparation, like he was great last start. He'll be off and gone, leading out in front. He's the one that I wish I win or need to chase. But um, I think they're probably all just racing for second because the former Kiwi will sprout wings and be the one to beat. Yeah, I think uh, the market and you with your summary there, Grace, are on the money because he – you think if he had clear running room in that straight in that last run, he would have won so dominantly. And for a horse to get himself – out of trouble and win easily with 200 meters to go is just a huge a sign of such a great horse. So really excited to see what he can do on Saturday. I just really hope we get to see him with all the luck on Saturday because I feel like we we still saw him get out of trouble and do an amazing performance last start. But I just love to see him have clear galloping room down that whole straight and really let him show us what's under the hood. And yeah, so excited to see how he goes. So another horse that's coming into this race with quite good form, Grace, is number one call sign Mav. He's carrying the heaviest weight on Saturday with 58 kilos. And his last start was a win in the Sir Rupert Clark Group 1, 1,400 metres at Caulfield. 
Um, what do you think his chances are on Saturday? Well, Corsair Mav was a little bit of a surprise winner in the Sir Rupert Clark Stakes um, in that Group 1 race. I was a bit shocked that he came out on top, but it was a really brave win. He sort of sat close to a just an okay speed, so he sort of had the favours in terms of the way that the map unfolded. And also he really relished the wet track. We know that was on the same day as um, that there was really bad conditions and all the rain. It was very heavy by the end of the day. So I think that was to his favor as well. I think also there was no horse like I wish I win in that race. There was no gentleman Roy. There was a Tuvalu who sat right on speed near the winner, Corsan Mav, but Tuvalu was coming off a freshen. So he'd been about two months or even more between runs. And he was, you know, sort of essentially first up for the spring in that group one contest. And he actually ran a huge race, Tuvalu. He wasn't beaten far at all. And I think now um, with that run under his belt, he's probably better placed now second up in this um, than the winner of the race, Corsan Mav was. So I'd be more inclined to be interested in Tuvalu. Uh, in this event than Corsan Mav, despite Corsan Mav beating Tuvalu last start. Very interesting race. And anyone else in the field catching your eye in this group one? I already spoke about Gentleman Roy of the leading bunch. I think he's now primed to really be able to bowl along uh, through the mid-stages. He'll set a cracking tempo and he'll be the one to catch. Um, and he's at $9, and I probably will have a little each-way bet on him just to be sure. Um, but the other one that interests me just from a perspective of seeing how good this horse could be is number 15, Uncle Bryn, because three weeks ago he actually was stretched out to 2,000 metres, and he was only narrowly defeated by Smoke and Romans, who then subsequently has come out and won last Saturday's Group 1 Turnbull Stakes. So Uncle Breen is only lightly raced. He now comes back to 1,600 metres, which I'm not sure is necessarily ideal, but he could be a pretty talented horse. And if he's right in the finish here, um, I think that he's definitely one we need to be following, you know, for the remainder of the spring or even for further preparations here in Australia. So, Grace, I'm just going to go and have a very basic bet, a win bet on the favourite I wish I win. Um, obviously, you know, my head's telling me all the things we've talked about. He's a horse on the up, has shown incredible talent so far, but he's also a heart bet for me, obviously, being a Kiwi horse by Supersire Savabil, who... Mm-hmm. And he celebrated his 21st birthday last week. And wow, Waikato Stud actually threw him a 21st birthday party. Oh my gosh. I'm not what sure. I'm not sure what the time he got on his yard glass, but um, <laughs> yeah. very good for them to celebrate a horse that has done so much for putting New Zealand on the map in terms of quality gallopers. So, yeah, heart and heads with I Wish I Win in the Turak. And to be honest, $2.70 might be a luxury price right now. Like I would not be surprised to see this horse jump even money, which is $2 or around that on Saturday, especially if the track is sort of favoring those horses that are going to get back and run on. I think he's clearly the one to beat. I'll probably be having something on Gentleman Roy as the one who's out front, the bunny to chase, and he might just keep on running Gentleman Roy with him last start and I'll be with him on an each way basis on Saturday, but definitely think I wish I win is the most likely winner. And just as we've now gone through the three group ones fee, it's really cool. Um, I suppose it's just a showcase for our listeners that the first of the group ones is a 2000 meter 
weight for age race, a mini Cox Plate, the best of the best, multiple Group 1 winners taking on each other. The next one's the Caulfield Guineas, which is a stallion making three-year-olds only set weights race. They all carry the same weight and they're all three-year-olds. And then the final one um, is a Group 1 handicap over the 1,600 metres. So your highest rated horse has got the top weight, your lowest rated horse has got the, the lowest weight. So three totally different conditions of races and three totally different racing prospects but um i think it's sort of it sort of puts it on display in a really good way all that there is to know and to learn and to get excited about when it comes to australian racing yeah definitely it's a great day just to have an example of each type of weight system so yeah it's going to be a fabulous day of racing and as you said at the top of the episode all black type races like there's not many meetings like this on the calendar so super exciting yeah, cannot wait to be there. If you are thinking of going to Caulfield, make sure you do. Even if it's cold, don't worry. The atmosphere will be amazing. Um, it's just one of the great days each and every year. Really nice to get back to doing some form this episode, Grace. We've had a lot of special guests uh, in the last few months and really good to just sit down and discuss the horses and each of these group ones on the weekend. Well, there's so much to get through, isn't there? Like there's so many different questions and thought processes out there. And um, yeah, I think hopefully everybody's listened in and, and has got a better idea of what we can expect on Saturday. But please, as always, go and grab um, the form guide or the racing.com website or whatever you would like and, and have a go yourself because winners could come from anywhere, especially in the Caulfield Guineas. So next week we will be doing another form preview. It's Caulfield Cup weekend, so we're still at Caulfield. It's going to be another great day of racing. We have one of the big three, the Caulfield Cup on, so a lot to look forward to there, Grace. Yeah, can't wait for that Caulfield Cup preview show next week as well. And then it'll be all systems go towards the Cox Plate. Just crazy how quick the spring goes. Everybody enjoy every single second of it. Yep, so that's it for today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in as always. Please make sure you are following us on our socials, recommending us to your friends, and leave us a little review on wherever you uh, listen to this podcast. That would be really fantastic. And we will catch you next week. Enjoy this weekend's Caulfield Guineas Day. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.